It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, injuries around the league to start off week two in the National Football League. We have a huge upset, the Cowboys versus the Falcons, the explosive Browns running game, New England versus Seattle, a lot of games to cover, a lot to get to. Plus, as always, Jason Kamlowski with Fantasy Football Files. All that and so much more here on our Week 2 Breakdown on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. But before we begin, we would like to thank our brand new sponsor at Regroup Building Services, specializing in custom homes, remodels, additions, and so much more. If you're looking for a new place to call home or just need repairs on your current home, look no further. Regroup Building Services has you covered. Make sure you check them out today at www.regroupbuildingservices.com. Once again, that's regroupbuildingservices.com. We do the honeydews that your honey don't. Make sure you tell them Josh sent you. We are also sponsored by PM Plus Reserves, now expanding their territory to serve the I-81 corridor from Hagerstown, Maryland to Stanton, Virginia. All right. It's time for another edition of the Kirby on Sports Podcast, starting right now. connected this is dave johnson voice of the washington wizards you have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man josh kirby on sports podcast all right we are back another week of nfl football in the books and we're back with you to break it all down for you you know me i'm josh kirby of the kirby on sports podcast We're sponsored by Regroup Building Services and PM Plus Reserves. As always, want to give a big thanks to MPT Now Productions, productions by Q and um, Dave Johnson for all their support through the podcast. This week, we have a guest contributor coming onto the podcast to break down week number two in the National Football League with us. That is Carlos Martinez, friend of the show has helped the show out a lot. Carlos, thanks for coming on today, buddy. You ready to break down some week two action? Oh yeah, dude. Crazy, crazy, crazy week here in the NFL this week, man. I'm re- I'm excited to get into this. I, I, I mean, first and foremost, I just want to say the one o'clock slate of games, you have three, six, nine, ten, if not more injuries. By different teams, and I, I just want to start off by saying it, it's crazy how many injuries the 49ers have suffered 
in their game against the Jets. And you got Nick Bosa, who's out for the season, torn ACL. Jimmy Garoppolo, ankle sprain. Mostert, ankle, I believe. Solomon Tallis, towards ACL. So the 49ers went from a decent looking team, in my opinion, to ridden with injuries. And they need to figure out what they're going to do in order to have a successful football team moving forward. Um, Just sucks that way. You know, two torn ACLs in the same game. I mean, man, I've never seen it before. Yeah, I mean, the other injury you're leaving out is the fact that Richard Sherman's not playing either. So, I mean, this team has. I mean, also you got um, uh, their their wide receivers not playing either. I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're just they're just really badly injured. And I mean, luckily they have the Giants this week. So, I mean, it's not like they're facing a tough test right now. But I mean. It's it's gonna be tough for them to get back to the Super Bowl, especially without having Bosa and uh, Solomon Thomas, and you know Richard Sherman. He's gonna come back because he's only on short term IR. But I mean, it's just gonna be really tough, especially depending on how long it takes Jimmy G to come back from a high ankle sprain, which isn't typically that bad of an injury for quarterbacks. It's more worse for running backs. But um, you know, it, it's just. It's just tough to see uh, how far they're going to pretty much fall this season because I don't think now they have a shot at making the Super Bowl without Bosa or any of these guys on defense. And not to mention they're playing the Giants next week. Saquon Barkley also tours ACL. He will be out for the season as well. that, That was that that's tragic because he was definitely like he's definitely a player you enjoy watching, you know, but. You know, it just sucks that he's on the Giants because, you know, they're they're not really that good of a team right now. But, I mean, he was always still exciting to watch. And the fact that he tore his ACL, he's going to be out for the rest of the year. The Giants are just, you know, that was their best player. And now it's all on Daniel Jones. And I don't think Daniel Jones can really handle that. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get into this Giants game a little bit later in our last segment, Little Nuggets. Uh, but anyways, um, I thought it was interesting. Um, the 49ers, they're actually staying in West Virginia, quarantining at the Greenbrier since they're staying on the East Coast to play the New York Giants. And yeah, I mean, that just didn't make any sense for them to go all the way back to San Francisco and then fly all the way back just to play in the same stadium. They might as well they might as well have just stayed in within like the city of New York. But I mean, that's cool that they're, you know, in West Virginia. I actually didn't know that. Well, the, well, that wasn't my point. The point is they had so many injuries. They ordered an MRI truck to come to the Greenbrier to get really? the, the team checked out. And I, I saw this on Twitter. I forget who said it, but apparently their MRI truck broke down in transit. So a, any which way, the 49ers are just a, a mess right now. But well, hopefully... They're, they're... They're blaming it on they or they're blaming it on the turf there at MetLife because they installed new turf this year at MetLife. Now the NFL does like like they do like inspect all that stuff beforehand, and they're doing another uh, inspection here before this game because obviously they brought you know they're playing on the, that turf again, and um, I mean a lot of players described it as like sticky and like 
that like they just kept getting caught in the turf. So I mean, it'll we'll see what happens later this week when that like inspection gets done. But I mean, it's just uh, it's sad. It's sad to see all these guys get injured this week. Like this really was the week of injuries. Yeah, I mean, I I saw those reports too, and if it is because of the turf, there needs to be a swift solution so there aren't further injuries. Because bad turf, getting your knee stuck in a position to potentially tear your ACL, it's never a good thing. You you know what I mean? And it's like, you you just got to take the proper precautions and make sure the players are playing in a safe environment, you know? Yeah, but it's just like what what can they really do at this point, you know, because it's not like they can install, you know, you know, this is brand new turf that they installed now. It could I don't know if it's because like there was no preseason, so there was no real time to kind of like break the turf in or I don't know if that's a thing or not, but you know, I don't really know how you fix that. Like how do you fix a problem like that? Like <laughs> like you can't there's not enough time to order new turf and you know, they've already gotten rid of the old turf. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do if it turns out the turf is the issue. In that game, San Francisco did win 31 to 13. Yeah, they're one and one on the season, but there, there's got to be a lot of coaching adjustments, a lot of changes in order for them to move on to week three against the Giants and come out victorious. So, Injuries all around the league. Um, we'll get into another injury later on in Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos, but that's one we have on tap for you later in the show. So let's get started. Week two recap in the NFL. Um, I mainly wanted to start at the uh, start at the Thursday night game. Mainly because, uh, I mean, I just thought this was going to be a bad game all around, you know, Cleveland and Cincy, you you know, the two, they're historically bad. And I was like, eh, what is there to cover in this game? But when I saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combine for over 160, 70 yards, it, it was crazy to see the run support that Cleveland had behind Baker Mayfield, who threw two touchdowns and an interception, but Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, they're a dynamic duo. It is early in the season, but I I must say if they can keep this up, you you might want to watch out for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this season as a tag team running back duo. Joe, 37 for 61 with three touchdowns. It was a close game all around, but I think the running attack for Cleveland won them this football game. Um, Yeah, I, I think I would ha- I would agree. But, I mean, really, I mean, I was just more impressed with Joe Burrow, man. Like, he, like he had no – the Bengals only rushed for 68 yards. Nick Chubb rushed for 124 alone on 22 carries, and he scored two touchdowns. Um, but I was like, I did some research on that. Like the record for most pass attempts in a game was 70 by Drew Bledsoe um, in 1994 when he played for the Patriots. So, and the last time a quarterback threw 60 plus times in a game was Jared Goff last year against Tampa Bay. Um, but the fact that they put so they put that much trust in Joe Burrow and only his second game to throw the ball 61 times. And he didn't, 
he didn't turn the ball over. He only he threw it 316 yards, three touchdowns. Like I was more impressed with Joe Burrow. And I think if the Bengals, the Bengals definitely need to uh, improve their offensive line because you know that's the thing that happened to Andrew Luck is that early in his career he was just getting beat up, and obviously that resulted into him just retiring early. If they don't protect Joe Burrow. He's he's gonna eventually just fizzle out, and they have something special with Joe Burrow for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, if they can um, give him the right game plan and the right scheme, and they can go out and eventually start winning games, Joe Burrow could be the long term future in Cincinnati. I don't think but, it's he could be. I think it's I think he is. Like I think he is definitely their long term future. Yeah. It's just they have to put the pieces around him. You know, they got to get him. You know, they just got to get him help. They got to get him, you know, protection, you know, especially on the offensive uh, on the offensive line. And then in terms of the Browns, you know, Odell finally gets a touchdown. I mean, if I just feel like week one was definitely not the best week to really judge where the Browns are, because, you know, Baltimore's just they just play at a different level. Um, they're they're just a, a whole class above what Cleveland is. Uh, I just think like this was really going to be the game where we were going to see where Cleveland is at because, you know, they're, you know, the Bengals and Browns are pretty much kind of, I mean, the Browns have more talent than the Bengals do, but really they're kind of on the same level. So it was interesting to see how that game was going to go on. And I mean, Baker Mayfield played pretty good. And I, I really, I'm really excited to see where this Cleveland team goes and I'm excited to see where, how Joe Burrow does uh, for the rest of his career. Don't don't get me wrong here. I don't think Joe Burrow isn't the answer. I'm just saying you got you have to produce it right. Like you said, you have to put weapons around him. Give him a good offensive line so he doesn't get pressured all the time. He only he only had three he only got sacked three times for a loss of 31 yards total, but still just yeah, you know, he looks promising. So I, I'm going to say that, but you just, like you said, put the pieces around him and protect him. So that's all I have on that game. But Cleveland, the, my main standout is Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Look out for them to be threats moving forward this season if they yeah. keep this up. I mean, that was the talk last season, too, that there were going to be threats. But, you know, I think the difference is that they actually have a, a you know, a, a pretty decent coach this year compared to last year, you know? Yeah, Stefanski looks pretty good. He came from a pretty decent Minnesota Vikings team before um, <laughs> before he got picked up by Cleveland. Oh Lord, the Vikings. We, well, I guess we'll talk about them later. But man. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, that's, that's one team I don't want to be playing for right now. Uh, I, I unfortunately, this is a game I'm not looking forward to covering. This really is not. But what in the name of Sam Peter Hill are the Atlanta Falcons doing? Yeah, <laughs> in Jerry World. Yeah, you're up like 20, 25 to nothing. What, what what was the score? How much were you down by? Uh, okay. So what I got the Falcons. So at the end of the first quarter, the Falcons were leading 20, 0. 20 to you know, zero with 20 to zero turnovers. And, and then from the, yeah, three turnovers, three fumbles in the uh, first quarter. In the first quarter, Dallas. Look, I'm gonna be honest. Like after like that first quarter was such a disaster. I decided to just take a nap during the game. 
because I was like, we suck. There's, an, I don't even want to watch this disaster. Woke well, up around the second it. half. Well, I woke up around the second half, and I was like, and I, that's when Dallas kind of started. But I had, I had no hope in Dallas, you know, actually winning this game. And when we won the game, I was, I was like, no way, like. Because obviously I am a Cowboys fan, so like I am a Cowboys fan, so th- that is my team. Um, but uh, I mean, on the box score, they shouldn't have won this game. With they only had they only the had first... a I think it was like a two percent chance of winning this game with five minutes left in the game. Only a two percent chance of winning, and they somehow pulled it off. Look, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if these teams ever practice onside kicks but i mean the fact that I, I thought it was just widely known that like the the receiving team can touch it before it goes 10 yards they don't have to wait till it goes 10 yards and when they touch it i mean they can just you just have to fall on the ball oh dallas gosh. could not touch it for 10 yards and it actually looked like it wasn't gonna make it when um the kicker kicked the ball like i was which was a weird kick because he didn't he did it without a t and watch now the rest of the league is going to start doing that where they're going to put the ball kind of flat and then just kick it the way he did. But, like, it somehow magically rolled 10 yards. And the whole time, the Fal- there, there were Falcon players around that ball the whole time, and they were just kind of, like, boxing boxing the Cowboys players out instead of just jumping on the ball when it got close to the 10 yards. Well, first off, let, let, let me rewind a little bit to this first quarter again. In total, you have four turnovers four Zeke Elliott lost two fumbles only lost one Prescott lost a fumble Schultz lost a fumble excuse me three turnovers I'm sorry I don't know for some reason I think it's four two sometimes but I mean all the stat lines okay. say it's three okay okay on the on paper Atlanta you choke just like you did in the Super Bowl with New I mean, England. The, the they'll fan, never live your that. fans, Atlanta, your fans are resigning or sending in letters saying they're no longer going to be fans. And I don't blame them. And I, I I was really upset about this game because, you know, the Washington football team had the 4 o'clock slot against the Cardinals. Every other NFC East team lost. And if Washington would have won, we would have been in a 2-0 pad in first place. But, you know, that does not happen in the league. Yeah, That does not happen in the league. But well, I mean, I, hold on. But, but, but did you, I mean, we're, we're kind of, you know, drifting away from this game a little bit. But did you really think the Redskins, I'm sorry, the Washington football team, it's still, still getting used to saying that. <laughs> So getting used to saying that the Washington football team, did you really think that they had a legitimate shot at beating the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray playing the way he's playing? And, you know, just uh, did you really, it was did you like really think- it was like 60 40 before the game even started. But no, then it was 100 percent nothing afterwards. But we'll get into that. Anyways, going back to the game. That that's sort of my rant on Atlanta. What the heck are you doing? But other than that, Greg Zerline without a T, he just slowly stroked that football and it started spinning. And I was like, man, he gave that just enough juice. I mean, it, it, was, a big, it, was, it was a big moment for 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 the you know, as Pat McAfee says, for the brand. You know, yeah, the, kickers look really good this week, but um. 
Yeah, man. And then he, he we get that onside. He he that onside kick was weird. Like I really didn't think it was gonna make it. And then it started kind of curving towards the end when it was getting towards the sideline. And then it just got to the ten yards. And then I was like, no way. I was like, we really have a shot here. But then even even so, I was still hesitant because you know, like the Cowboys, that's what they do, man. They give you a little hope and then they'll just break your heart. And... Well, well, l- let me say this. Um uh, I just love how they Zerline decided to kick it with no T. What whatever he did, I think he kicked it on the corner and it just kept spinning. I think yeah, that's well, something that so other players are gonna pick up. Yeah, so he put it down. He put the ball down flat, like just flat on its side. Yeah, and then, yeah. He just kind of kicked it and it just kind of rolled. You know, it's because they changed the onside kick rules before you could overload a side. Now you can. Now it has to be equal equal amount of players on each side. And you don't get a. I don't think you get a run up. Also, yeah. Um, That's why the numbers are so low for recovery. Yeah, which is why people are just like are 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 just hoping that like the NFL does something where like you get like a, you know, there's another way for you to get like possession back. Like you have to take a fourth and fifteen instead of doing an onside kick. You get a fourth and fifteen from like you know the twenty yard line, and you have to get all the way up to the thirty five yard line, and like. You know, you only get one play to get it, and if you get it, then your drive continues from there. If, but if you don't get it, then it's a turnover, and, like, it's a risk situation because then the team starts at your 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, okay, so the final score for this game was obviously the Cowboys 40, the Falcons 39. Um, Dak Prescott had a historic day, man. He threw for yes. 400 yards. He rushed for three t- touchdowns, and he also threw one. And I mean, Zeke didn't have too bad of a day. I mean, he rushed for 89 yards on 22 carries and he scored one touchdown. But I mean, obviously, the main talking point of the game was the fact that the Falcons just really somehow, some way botched this game. But just like in the Super Bowl, they found a way to lose. And it's just, I feel like they get too comfortable. Like, you know, you're up 20 nothing at the end of the first quarter, but you got to finish the game. Like, you know, Dallas is starting to surge. You got to, you got to figure out what's working for you and just keep at it. It's just like, they keep changing the game plan midway through the game and they're just comfortable with it. Four fifties, an impressive number indeed with only one touchdown. That's huge. That's record breaking Four fifty in a game. That's huge. That was one stat that popped out at me a lot, but all in all, if you had that game, you were sitting down watching that game, if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a Falcons fan, or if you're neither. Either way, it was a great game to watch. It was a good game to watch. End, I was like, wow, I cannot believe Dallas came back. To do it in Jerry World and to have fans in the stands. Yeah, 20,000 fans. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, it was, a, it was, it was, I mean, congrats, to the, you know, congrats, like, we won, like, Hooray, hurrah, but I mean, I'm going to, like, honestly, like, uh, it, it, I don't really think, I don't know if I'm in the minority in this with, with Cowboys fans, but, you know, they were trying to, like, like kind of, like, set the narrative of this win as, like, this is what's going to launch us forward, but for some reason, as a Cowboys fan, I don't feel that confident coming out of this game for some reason. Like, yeah, we won, we found a way to win, woo, but, like, I'm still not happy with what I saw on the field. I feel like the Cowboys are very shaky. We just lost our starting cornerback. He's going to be out for, I think, six weeks now, too. So there's another injury for our injury list. Um, Awuzie, he's out for a little bit, something with his hamstring. Um, 
which is more pressure, which should be more of a reason why the Cowboys should sign Earl Thomas. We are lacking on defense ever since we lost Leighton Vander Esch in week one. Um, you know, and you know, obviously we don't have um, what's his name, Byron Jones anymore. And just I don't know, it just feels like the Cowboys are kind of sh- they're very shaky right now, and I don't like that at all. And I'm not 100% confident in this team going forward right now. Uh, we're yeah, gonna lose next week, like, or we're gonna lose this week. Like, we have we have Seattle, and like oh. in Seattle, we're gonna lose. I don't I don't really see us winning. We're gonna be one and two. Yeah, um, yeah, I can agree with that. I mean. Are th- the game itself it sort of shied me away from talking about Dallas's injuries and stuff. But like you said, they do seem really shaky. And I, I, I mean, Mike McCarthy as the head coach, I mean, he hasn't really done much. Am I wrong in saying that? Well, but Mike, I mean, Mike McCarthy, so he's the head coach. Obviously, you know, he's definitely, you know, it, it's, it's fi- finally we got our change from Jason Garrett. Finally, because we've been asking for that for years. Um, but the thing is, is that the offense, in particular, the offense is no different. You know, it looks the same as it did last season. That's because he did keep Kellen Moore, who, you know, he's a promising, you know, coach, but like, it, but he's letting Kellen Moore call the play. So what has really changed offensively? Nothing. Our offensive line has gotten worse, obviously, because of injuries and because of um, our center retiring. Um, and it just feels like the strength of this Dallas team for the past, you know, decade was the offensive line. That's how come we were able to succeed with all the running backs that we succeeded with, you know, and the the protection was always great. You know, Dak was Dak or Tony Romo was always well protected for the most part, but I don't know, man. It's just now we, the, most of those linemen from the past 10 years are either injured or retired and just, it just doesn't feel the same right now. And I'm very worried about this team going forward. Obviously the, the NFC East, I mean, right now it's a suck fest. So, I mean, (laughs) it always is. I mean, right now the, the Cowboys are definitely the favorites to win it because they only need maybe nine wins to win this, uh, division. But I mean, going forward, any any I don't want to hear any talks of us winning a Super Bowl or anything like that because it's not going to be this year. Maybe we can talk about it maybe next year or maybe the year after that, but it's not going to be this year for sure. Yeah. So the Dallas Cowboys with a huge comeback, uh, probably the one o'clock game of the week because. Wow, I, I, I just can't get over that comeback. But 40 to 39 in that game. Let's move right along to our next game on the docket. We have the Broncos and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this is where my second injury come my next injury topic comes into play. Drew Locke, Denver's starting quarterback with a shoulder injury after he gets tackled, losing a fumble. Jeff Driscoll comes into play, and he looks pretty darn good. 18 for 34 with two touchdowns, only one interception. Kept the Steelers on their toes. They fell six points short of seven points short of victory, but 
still no, it was, they it was, kept it was the Steelers on their toes. It was five points. It was the five. final score was 26 21. Five. Yeah, Drew Lock. Yeah, I suck at math, Carlos. Thank uh, you. Yeah, I mean, I got you, but like Drew Lock got injured in the first quarter. Like, uh, that did suck. You know, the Broncos have been very high on Drew Lock, uh, you know, coming off of last season. Um, so that sucks. Uh, he has a what, what was it again? He has an AC joint sprain. Um, so he'll be out for about like two to six weeks. Um, but yeah, Driscoll didn't look too bad. Jeff Driscoll. I mean, yeah, like you said, he threw for 18, you know, he was 18 for 34, 256 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Um, the big thing about this game for me was, uh, James Conner. Uh, he had kind of an iffy week one, but like he, he came all the way back this, this week. He ran for 106 yards and one touchdown on 16 carries. And uh, also the Steelers, I think the Steelers might have the best defense right now in football because they had seven total sacks in this game. And uh, Big Ben played pretty good too. Uh, He was 29 for 41 for 311 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. But yeah, for me, it was James Conner and that Pittsburgh defense, man. That Pittsburgh defense is scary. Yeah, absolutely. It it looks like the Steelers are playing like their Super Bowl days almost or something like that because Big Ben, it doesn't look like he's been out of the out of playing for 364. Well, it's cuz it's it's cuz Big Ben's got Jesus on his side now. <laughs> oh my. Oh Jesus my. is guiding that ball into all the players' oh arms. Oh <laughs> a- a- anyways, Steelers look good and Jeff Driscoll could, and by the way, the Broncos did sign Blake Bortles a couple days ago as yeah, well. Did, but Blake Bortles stinks. Yeah, but anyways, Jeff Driscoll, if Drew Law can't come back, do you think he has what it takes to lead this team? I think Driscoll's main job is just going to be just the game manager. He's not going to be the guy that wins it. Um, I Didn't Jerry Judy get injured in this game? I can't remember if he did or not. Yes, he did. He did? Yeah, I believe he got knocked out in the second quarter. I forget what it was, but I saw him go down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody necessarily had the Broncos as like, you know, I know that they think Drew Locke is their version of Patrick Mahomes, so losing him is huge. Um, I don't really see that, but I think Drew Locke is definitely a solid quarterback. Uh, Dr- Jeff Driscoll's just main job right now is just he's just got to manage this team and just kind of keep them in games, keep them in positions to win until, you know, and hopefully get a couple wins. That way when Drew Locke comes back, um, maybe they can make a run to the playoffs. But, um, I mean, being in a div- – because the Broncos are in the same division as the Chiefs. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I just – I just think, I I think Jeff Driscoll will do fine. I think he'll he'll do fine until uh, Drew Lock comes back. So that was twenty six to twenty one. Pittsburgh takes the win in that one. The, the Broncos next, are zero and two, right? Yeah, zero and two. Oh Jesus! The they have like an eleven percent chance of making the playoffs now. Oh, that's so yeah. So zero and two teams. Uh, statistically, only have about a. Uh, that's why you never want your team to start at zero and two. They only have about an eleven percent chance of making the playoffs. Well, that's a good stat there. That's something I could not say because I'm not good at math. 
<laughs> that's fair. But um, the Steelers, they're two and zero, right? Yeah, two and zero. Two and zero. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they finally come up against the Ravens because I feel like the Steelers were are, are a good team when Big Ben's playing because there's just this level of this like this comfort i guess with big ben because like he this has been his team for since forever so i just feel like they they play a lot better when uh big ben is playing compared to when they had mason rudolph or um good old duck hodges playing absolutely so uh next game on the docket the most bizarre news story dropped today because of this game. First off, let's set the stage for you. The Chiefs and the Chargers, um, they report that Tyrod Taylor goes out with a chest injury during pregame warmups. I'm- no, it was so they actually didn't find out that he was going to be out until after the coin toss. That's when Justin Herbert found out that he was going to be the starter. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I heard they said he got injured in pregame warmups. But so, besides so, the point of that, yeah, you I, I mean, uh, however it was said, what actually happened, a team doctor accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung just before kickoff on Sunday, trying to administer a pain killing injection. To the quarterback's cracked rib. That comes from Adam Schefter on Twitter. My goodness. Uh, My also, goodness. Uh, also, uh, Ian Rappaport also uh, reported that uh, Tyrod Taylor is not going to play this week, but that um, uh, Anthony Lynn, head coach for the Chargers, still is saying that whenever he's 100% healthy, he, uh, Tyrod Taylor will be the starter, but Justin Herbert is getting the start this week. But yeah, the fact. I mean, because I actually didn't find out Justin Herbert was starting until I went on Instagram and I saw that uh, the University of Oregon put something up saying, welcome to, you know, welcome to the league. And I was like, wait, Justin Herbert's starting? But I mean, for him to do what he, I mean, Justin Herbert definitely impressed me within this game for sure. But uh, we'll talk about him in a second, but the team doctor accidentally doing something like that I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I well, have never from, heard of that before. Again, from everything that like I've 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 heard and everything that like I've I've read so far, um, it, it, it these things do happen every. It, but it's very very rare that it happens, and it's because you have to kind of inject it right exactly at the spot where it's like where where the injury is because and sometimes they like to aim a little higher up that way it kind of like trickles down and. You know, they have to administer it like right before the game because, you know, it only lasts like about like five hours. So they can't administer it in the morning and they can't administer it, you know, um, the night before. So uh, it is it, it I remember because I was in my car when that when that notification popped up on my phone. And I was like, no way. Like, how the hell does that happen? But I mean, it's just strange. I mean, this is just such a it's the most 2020 thing to happen to you know, injury wise. Yeah. But so let's get to a couple tweets here. Uh, Quoting Adam Schefter's tweet, George Atala works for the NFL players association, assistant executive director of external affairs. 
And he says, our medical and legal team have been in touch with Tyrod and his agents since Sunday, collecting facts. An investigation has been initiated. That was three hours ago today as we are recording. And Ryan Harris, a Super Bowl 50 champion for the Denver Broncos, he tweets out, little known fact, colon, per CBA, when player accepts accepts team medical care, they cannot sue. Adam Schefter also retweeted that. So it's just coming down to we they're probably going to bring the legal team, which was said in there, but what the determination is, who knows? But this is just a bizarre, unforeseen circumstance for Tyrod Taylor. I wish him all the best, um, but... It was just very bizarre to hear that today. But, um, anyways, let's move on to the game. Well, as well, you, well, I mean, I, but like the whole the the question is, is though okay? So now, so obviously Justin Herbert's going to start next week. Who knows when Tyrod's going to be ready to play, right? What what? How do you take? So obviously the 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 Chargers that look they look pretty good against the the Chiefs um this week, and I think that's due in part to the fact that the Chiefs probably prepared for Tyrod Taylor and obviously there's not a lot of film necessarily on Justin Herbert so obviously they never they they never thought that Justin Herbert was going to start so that's probably what threw the Chiefs off a little bit and that's why this game was a lot closer than what anybody thought it was going to be and why the Chargers actually led for the whole game up until the end um but i guess my question is is what happens or, or what what do the Chargers do if Justin Herbert is playing lights out uh, in this next game and maybe within the next, like, two weeks and he's still playing and Tyrod's not back? Tyrod gets 100% healthy, but the team is rolling with Justin Herbert. They're playing uh, great football. How do you take Justin Herbert out and insert Tyrod Taylor in? Well, if I was the head coach, I'd uh, if Justin Herbert was producing – giving the team good numbers, I'd say, hey, we got to roll with Justin because this is our best shot to win. But I don't know. But how do you do that that now? Because obviously Anthony Lynn has been saying from the start that if, you know, once Tyrod's back, he's our starter. And that's always been their plan was Tyrod's going to be the starter and they were just going to develop Justin Herbert, kind of do the whole Patrick Mahomes project. Um, but like how, but you know, how can you really, you know, because it's not his fault. Like, like it's, it's not because, you know, he was playing bad, you know, it's because of a doctor, you know, accidentally, you know, putting a needle in on the wrong spot and accidentally puncturing his lung. So like, it's just, this is just going to become a, a, a very messy situation if Justin Herbert, you know, plays very well going forward. And oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be in Anthony Lynn's position right now, especially if Justin Herbert plays well. I, I would be mortified, honestly. I'd be like, how do you take it from a guy who, you know, was supposed to be my starter, and then because a doctor, you know, had a little bit of a mess up, was out for the game, and then, I don't know, man, I don't know. Uh, you, you, let's talk about Herbert. Why don't we? Um, Herbert looked 
very well, as you said. 311 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, and kept the Chiefs behind for most of the game, took that game to overtime. For, for all of the game, they were behind. They, oh, yeah, the only all, time they led is when they, when they actually kicked the game-winning field goal in overtime. That That's huge, though, because oh, yeah. the Chiefs, I mean, there, there was a chance they could have lost that game. and A very huge chance that they could have I lost mean, that game. I mean, from week one to week two, I, I, I'm not really sure what changed, but Los Angeles just kept the Chiefs on their heels, in my I, opinion. But again, I, I attribute that mostly to the fact that they didn't know, you know, ju- no, obviously Justin Herbert finds out he's starting at after the coin toss. So it's just like how how the Chiefs were not prepared for Justin Herbert. Um, and I mean, but of course, you know, they're the champs, the chiefs are the champs, man. They'll, they'll figure, they figured it out. And th- that was the issues that, you know, so Patrick Mahomes went 27 for 47 for 302 yards and two touchdowns. Typical Patrick Mahomes performance, in my opinion. Um, he, uh, Ma- but the interesting stat here is that Patrick Mahomes was also the Chiefs' leading rusher with 54 yards. I think that's that was another issue is that the Chiefs never got their running game going with um the their running back from LSU, Edwards Hilaire. He Edward Edwards Hilaire. That's his name. He looked really good the first game. But- he looked good week one, but he's a rookie, so uh, you know he's going to be up and down right now. Um, but. You know, if they can get Edwards Hilaire going, that that's really what opens it up for the Chiefs. But when Patrick Mahomes is your leading rusher with only 54 yards, now Mahomes is a mobile quarterback. Um, he's no Lamar Jackson, but you know he's a he's a he can move. Um, th- that's what you know because when you can't get the running game going, then they can they don't have to worry about that and they can focus on the pass. Now, while the Chiefs have a lot of passing weapons. You know, when they can only when they only have to focus on certain guys, it, it just helps. All, all in all, I really enjoyed this game and Justin Herbert getting his first chance as a pro. He looked well, pretty darn well. Oh yeah, he looked good. Uh, I mean, you and me, like we watched the you and me watched about. I think it was the <laughs> last part of the game together. Yeah. Um, because you know we had to talk about doing this. So while the game was on, we were we were talking business. But I think the other impressive thing was obviously the the MVP of the game, and another for the brand uh, uh, representative was Harrison Buckner, the kicker for uh, the Chiefs. Man, oh like, man, oh man, he, nothing distracts that man. Three, three for three for three on field goals in the whole game, and he made three fifty plus uh, yard field goal field goals in a row to win the game in OT. So the first one was at fifty three; they get the false start. Then it goes back five yards, 58, kicks it. They try to ice him. He got he got mad <laughs> when they try to ice him. And then, and honestly, each kick just got better and better. And, like, that last one, I actually got a little nervous. I was like, oh, did they, uh, did they get him? Did they get him? Is he going to go left? Is he going to go too far left? No, right down the middle. That, that was an impressive kick. Apparently, he was kicking him from 70 yards earlier uh, or, like, at halftime. Uh, he went out and just started kicking some balls, and he was hitting them from 70 yards. Yeah, but nothing gets in Butker's head. He really 
Yeah, I saw that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. They iced him. There was a penalty and he still drilled up. Yeah, he said in an interview, uh, I think Monday was that um, that 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 actually like he actually works off of being angry. So when they try to ice him, that really pissed him off. And that's what really, and then he was like, oh, I'm going to show you I'm going to show you guys like. I'm going to show you that this is pointless. I'm going to make this again. And that was a great kick. And, you know, shout out to Harrison Buckner. That was a fantastic performance. But, I mean, I guess the impressive thing is the Chiefs. Well, Justin Herbert, obviously, you know, first start, you know, doing that against the Super Bowl champs. But why would you give Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs the ball, you know, in overtime on a fourth and two, you might as well, you got to go for it. You can't give them a shot because Patrick Mahomes will make it happen somehow, some way. Yep. You, you nailed that spot on. Let's move right along. Last two games on our docket. Um, Patriots and Seahawks. This is always a great matchup. Game of the week for me. Yeah. This game was an instant classic. Oh man, I stayed up for the whole thing. It w- it was amazing. But the Patriots and Seahawks, when they face off, it always seems like a good game. Remember the Super Bowl, Malcolm Butler on the goal line. How could I forget that? I'm- that was one of my favorite, one of my favorite Super Bowls of all time. It was very exciting, especially off of that was Super Bowl forty nine, I believe. And that was coming off of the year before Super Bowl Forty Eight, where it was the Seahawks and the and the Broncos, and that Super Bowl was a dud. That <laughs> that was that was one of the most boring Super Bowls I've ever seen. So that coming off of that, going in Forty Nine, oh man, Super Bowl Forty Nine will forever be one of my favorite Super Bowls, especially because it was Brady's fourth Super Bowl. Yeah, but uh, anyways, this was a great game all around. Oh, it was it- a lot of fun. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Back and forth. Uh, James White, though, he was inactive. Um, sad Teas news. Peace it, to him and his family. Teas and peas. Yeah, it, it was not good. Apparently, James White found out that his father died in a car crash and, and his mother, his mother was in critical. critical. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was sad. So he was not playing. But um, other than that, it was a great game all around. Um, Wilson, Russell Wilson, give that man the MVP. He can spread the football around to anybody and everybody on that Seahawks team. He had five touchdowns to five different receivers. Metcalf, Lockett, Moore, and Carson, and Swain. That's That's incredible. How you can spread out the football. That's an overreaction, obviously, because we're only in week two. Talk to me when we're in week, you know, uh, 13. And no, he's going to gonna be so. MVP. That's my bold prediction here so far. He's going to be MVP. He's still going up against Patrick Mahomes. He's still going up against Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson. Saying, Aaron Rodgers, who's been looking pretty good. I mean, don't get me. Okay, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson looked fantastic in this game. He is he's definitely for sure one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks in the league right now. People yep. do, don't put enough respect on Russell Wilson's name. Um, Super Bowl champion. I mean, he just, there's just something about the way he throws the ball. That just, it's just so perfect. Like, I don't, I just don't understand it. Like, and it just feels like he always, he's, he's also like Patrick Mahomes. He just always finds a way to win. And 
I do find it, I mean, because they've been hammering this, um, this whole, uh, this fact down our throats that he never got, that he hasn't had one single MVP vote, um, which that's a crime. He should definitely have already had one, but I mean that he's definitely making a good push to become the MVP, but I mean, there's also Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's looking pretty good too. He's got some stiff competition. It's only week two. But if that's your bold prediction, man, more power to you. I mean, I, I mean, I might get some hate for this, but I really feel like after that performance, if Wilson keeps on going in the direction that he is going, he will become the MVP. If he and, plays at this level for the rest of the season, it will be very hard not to give him the MVP. But I just feel like there's also just so much competition right now for who's going to get MVP. And who knows, maybe somebody else just breaks out here in the, for, for the next stretch and, you know, and we just don't know. Maybe Deshaun Watson breaks out somehow, which we're not even going to talk about the Texans. But uh, just Russell Wilson looked phenomenal in this game for sure. He did. And uh, the Patriots were responding, and it was a evenly matched game all the way to the final seconds where the Seahawks defense stacked the line, another designed run play for Cam Newton and Newton ends up getting stuffed before the goal line and the clock hits triple zeros, but a great game all the way around. I, I, I have, I don't really have anything negative to say, but uh, no, nothing negative to say. I'm really, really, really enjoying this the this new version of the Patriots post Tom yeah. Brady. I'm really enjoying Cam Newton on the Patriots, and I I just saw uh, I think it was yesterday I saw a clip of him talking about how he's basically coming for every team because every team had a had had a shot to sign him. Every team had a shot. Now, obviously, some teams it just didn't make sense because they already had a you know an established starter. But for some teams to be like, you know, it'll make my, you know, it'll make our, you know, our starter uncomfortable to have him as a backup. That's bad. You know, that, that means your, your, your starting quarterback just isn't mentally ready for the NFL. But yeah, I mean, Cam Newton, I think this is, this was the perfect situation for Cam Newton. He looked fantastic in this game. He was a 30 for 44 397 yards, one touchdown. He did throw one interception, um, but he was the leading rusher also for the Patriots. Uh, he had 11 carries, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. I feel like Bill Bel because Bill Belichick has always praised these like mobile quarterbacks. He like he loves Lamar Jackson. I feel like he's always wanted to do this offense uh, with a mobile quarterback, but obviously Tom Brady is he's just not a mobile quarterback, so you can't really do this type of offense with him. Now that he's got Cam Newton, who's a big body and he's healthy and he looks good, I mean, I, I'm really, really, I mean, the Patriots, even though this was a loss, I mean, I feel like this is one of those games where both teams just like kind of like walk away and they're just like, you know what? We're going to be all right. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that because I, I feel like, Either way you look at this, it was a great game, even if your team came out on the losing end. Um, Cam Newton saw a dif differences from last week to this week, in my opinion. Cam Newton threw the ball more than he did last week. There were still some more run plays being implemented for by the Patriots, but I did like how 
Cam Newton decided to go out and throw the football more. He only threw for one touchdown. That touchdown was sneaky, though. Did you see that touchdown? He just steps up like he's about to run, then pulls it back and throws it to the tight end right there at the goal line. So the Patriots have a dual-threat quarterback. Cam Newton just has to throw a little bit more, but they can get that dual-threat quarterback. And I agree with what you said, the – Offense, it looks completely different without Tom Brady there anymore. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, obviously Brady's the GOAT. But, you know, I just feel like this is a a nice change for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I feel like this is what they need, you know, and they're not. I mean, they have Cam Newton for absolutely nothing. You know, they're only paying him like a million dollars this year. Um, So, uh, I'm just, you know... I feel like it's the the Patriots are definitely so I feel like the top tier right now is definitely and at least in the AFC is definitely the Chiefs and the Ravens and then just under them is the Steelers and the Patriots that's how I feel um and I think the reason why the Patriots are still up there is because you know it, it Cam Newton just brings this new element to this team that we haven't seen before at least we've seen it in Carolina but we haven't seen it here in New England and also he's this is a Bill Belichick version of Cam Newton. So, ah, man, it's very, it's very exciting to see what he does for the rest of the season. Hopefully he can stay healthy, man. Yeah. And, um, Newton mentioned that he's just out here for, I, I forget the exact quote, but they show, showed a stat of every, every quarterback that is getting paid more than him. And he's like, I'm out here not for the money, just to prove myself. So uh, essentially something like that. And I, I thought that was really interesting. All the quarterbacks that are above him getting paid more than what he is, that's very huge to see that he's not out there just to make the money. Yeah, well, I mean, think about that's it. Nick Foles, I mean, I mean, Chicago sits there and signs Nick Foles or trades for Nick Foles. He's sitting on the bench making... I think it's like 20, 30 million and you know, Cam's starting and he's only making a million. It, this is proving he's right now. He's got a lot to, he, he's coming for every team's neck right now because they all had a chance. They all had a chance to sign this guy. He even came out and said, I'm willing to take a backup role if that's what I need to do. But no team, you know, everybody said Cam Newton. And then, uh, you know, they, they put his name up on the board and they all said pass. You know, he said it in an interview and he's like, you know, now I'm coming for everybody's neck. And I really believe, you know, the, the Patriots are definitely they have a shot at winning another Super Bowl here with Cam Newton. But I, I, it's just so ridiculous to me that he that that no team wanted to take Cam Newton. Like that is so ridiculous because you look around the league, you look at all these team, all these quarterbacks. There's only about, you know, maybe four you know 14 14 of the teams have solid you know solid quarterbacks you know obviously maybe like the top like 10 have you know the elite quarterbacks um and then but then it's just like you got all these other teams i i'm trying to think of an example right now i mean that could use that could be using cam newton right now like oh, so 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 uh let's say for washington for example would you who who do you want Dwayne Haskins or Cam Newton Man, you put me on the spot there. 
I Who, mean, Dwayne didn't look well. Cam, I in this situation, I think it comes down to how you're coached. Because well, we've seen it with the multiple quarterbacks Washington has had in their franchise. It's how you get coached. But if they have not. But 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 the difference is, is this is a coach that has already coached Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. That's yeah, in that, Washington now. So true. he knows how to work with Cam Newton. That's true, but the system, because Carolina's system was a little bit different than what Washington's is, but I I would lean to, more towards Cam Newton since Ron Rivera coached him, but still, I don't think it's coach if you're paired up with the same coach you had before. I don't think that makes all the difference in the world in this situation, this hypothetical scenario. Yeah, I don't I mean, obviously, as a Cowboy fan, I mean, we're pretty happy with Dak. Um, they would never sign Cam Newton over Dak Prescott. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like, uh, I mean, I, I would say Jack. I mean, people would say Jacksonville could have signed, you know, could have used him, but you know, obviously, Minshew Mania is, you know, pretty good. You know, they played pretty well against the Titans, um, and obviously, they beat the Colts. Um, but I just feel like there's plenty of teams that could have definitely, like, uh, like San Francisco. Imagine if they would have had Cam Newton as their backup to Jimmy G. How crazy would that be? That Jimmy G then gets injured, and then out comes Cam Newton to you know to to play like i just feel like all, all these teams definitely passed up on an opportunity to get him and now they're gonna you know he's coming for the league now and there's he's not the only player that's coming for the league yeah a lot of potential scenarios that could have happened but cam's with new england and they're looking pretty good so far at one uh two and L. No, one and one. Sorry, yeah, one yeah, and they're, two they're, they're, uh, the Patriots are one and one. The Seahawks are two and zero. Oh. Yep, I got those two confused. But let's move right along to the opening of Allegiant Stadium, the, the first time NFL football has been played in Las Vegas. Yes, sir, the Las Vegas Raiders. They christen the opening of Allegiant Stadium with a huge win to improve to 2-0 against the New Orleans Saints. I tell you, the Saints were leading most uh, some of this ball game. Um, the Raiders put up 17 to tie it in the second quarter. Then the Saints only score seven in the fourth. You look at Derek Carr's numbers, 28 for 38. So 10 incompletions. With mm-hmm. three touchdowns. And I'm thinking myself, after watching some of this game, I'm like, wow. Derek Carr, who has played decent in past years, he looked incredible against this Saints team. And Drew Brees only threw for a touchdown, and the Raiders had an interception on him too. It. I feel I feel like the main factor in this loss, the running game wasn't there for New Orleans. Camara only had 79 yards, but the so, Raiders yeah, 79 yards, but he still scored two touchdowns. But another asterisk on this game is Michael Thomas did not play. He was injured. Yeah. 
Yeah, to Michael Thomas, too. I, I left him out, but yes, Michael Thomas is a huge piece to the New Orleans Saints, that uh, weapon that Drew Brees cannot throw to right now. But uh, all in all, the, this was a storybook beginning to a Las Vegas NFL team. Uh, I just feel like the Raiders had to win that game to get the stadium rolling in the right direction. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, when you open a new stadium, you have to win it. The Cowboys did not do that when we opened uh, AT&T Stadium. We lost to the Giants, and I was very mad that day. Yeah, but, um, yeah, no, definitely. The Raiders are 2-0, and man, and, I mean, they've, they've looked pretty good the past two games. Obviously, they beat Carolina week one, and now they come and open this that beautiful, beautiful stadium. Yeah, I just wonder how much better it would have been if fans could have been in that stadium. Um, but, I mean, it's it's the freaking death star like it just it just looks so that stadium looks incredible but yeah um obviously the one of my favorite moments was when the raiders scored their first touchdown and steve levy on the on the call goes the answer to uh to the trivia question alec ingold scores the first touch the rate first raiders touchdown in the new stadium that was a great moment. The Raiders were also two for two on fourth down conversions, so that's huge. The the fact the Saints could not get their defense off the field. Um, but uh, going back to the Saints um, and Alvin Kamara, on top of like him, you know, only running the ball, you know, thirteen times for seventy nine yards, um, he was also the Saints' leading receiver. Which I don't know if that's a good thing if you're running back to leading receiver because he had nine receptions for ninety five yards, no touchdowns, but you know, I just feel like not having Michael Thomas was a big factor also in this loss because he is definitely a game changer. And uh, the Saints look good week one. They looked a little shaky here in week two. Let's see if they can get back on track here in week three coming up. But, I mean, the Raiders are definitely the surprise story right now because they're 2-0 and and the Chiefs are 2-0. and after, after all the misery... Raiders fans have endured. Do you think this could be the year that they make it to the playoffs? Um, it could be. I think because this is year three of John Gruden, right? Yeah, two or three. The yeah, million dollar. Year, I think this is year three, but this is also. I feel like because they fought because you know obviously they've been playing in that horrible, horrible stadium in Oakland for years, right? And I feel like just like this new stadium just gives them new energy. They're 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 this they're a different team now. They're they're in Las Vegas, you know. And you gotta they gotta perform there in Vegas, like you know. And I just I don't know. I just feel like this team is finally starting to um, shape out the way John Gruden has wanted it, you know. And I feel like this is definitely going to be the year that we see the most. Uh, progression in this John Gruden project that he's been doing with the Raiders for the past three years. So I do think they have a legitimate shot. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think they'll get one of those wild card spots um, because I do still think the chiefs are going to win the division, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they both play each other. Yeah. The great game all around, and to cap off week two with a Monday night victory, the Raiders over the Saints, 34-24. to 24. All right, folks, let's get to our 
Nuggets segment. I don't really have an official name, but this is just some of the things that I want to briefly talk about that I don't think should get a full segment. You know, but we're just calling it Nuggets for now. Uh, first Nugget I want to get into, Aaron Rodgers. People were writing him off saying he's going to regress this year. There's no regression in Aaron Rodgers. Through two touchdowns, 240 yards, in their 42-21 to 21 win over the Detroit Lions. Aaron Rodgers, he's still playing great football, and he has a lot of years ahead of him. Yeah, he's definitely playing lights out right now. He said it because uh, uh, he goes on the Pat McAfee show every uh, every Tuesday, um, and uh, he said on there that like the, the big difference is is that now he's just got this love for like this this newfound like love and happiness for life right now that's really like seeping into like everything that he does. And obviously, he keeps talking about there's this thing that he saw uh, on some like practice tape uh, from like 2010 that he still hasn't said what it is, but uh, he's he's definitely playing lights out and you know i i think them he's definitely still mad about or i want to say mad but he's definitely upset at the fact that the um that the packers have already drafted his replacement and he's just kind of like well i'm not going to give you guys a chance to really replace me yet so he's he's playing pretty well i'm 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 excited to see some more aaron Rodgers. same here as well minnesota looked terrible Oh, they stink. Kirk Cousins, 11 for 26, 113 yards, not a single touchdown, but three interceptions. The Colts beat the Vikings 28 to 11. The Vikings are 0-2. The Vikings, I did not imagine they would start off this season 0-2, but Kirk Cousins, do better, man. Uh, Wasn't, Stefanski was their um, offensive coordinator, right? Correct. Yeah, so I feel like there's a lot of contributing factors to this. Um, I feel like them trading Stephon Diggs was it just shows how important he was to this offense. That was a necessary move, though. Because I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was a necessary move. I don't. I really did. You don't. hear all the criticism he was talking about? One not bashing Captain Kirk Cousins. Yeah, earlier in the season, but they finally figured it out towards the end. Like, think about how different this this team. Uh, so, think about it. The Vikings beat the Saints in the Superdome last year in the playoffs. Think of how different that team looks now. You lose your offensive coordinator. Okay, that's fine. That's expected. You're going to be going through some changes because you're going to get a new offensive coordinator. But you lose. But then you trade away your best, you know, receiver, and. You know, and it's also the fact that he takes attention away from a Thielen, from a Dalvin Cook, from um their tight end is who's their tight end again? I don't remember who their tight their tight end's name right Rudolph. now. It's yeah, it's it's Rudolph, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Rudolph. Yeah, 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 yeah. He takes away attention from these guys because he's such a dynamic player. I mean, and you just trade him away. I, when I, I really feel like the issues that they had could have easily been worked out if you would have just get gotten him the ball more. That's it. You just had to get him involved in the offense. That's it. That's all he wanted. And I don't know. That's to me. I think it's just those two things right there for sure are the contributing factors to why Kirk Cousins has just looked so bad. And also, I mean, Kirk Cousins has. I, I mean, I feel like he's always been. 
a, like like his stats always look good, but he always got those stats in garbage time when he was in Washington, and then kind of here when he was in uh, Minnesota. Either way, Kirk Cousins has got to look better because he he just did not look well at all. Today. Uh, they lost uh, Anthony Barr too, didn't they? In this game, is it Anthony Barr? I can neither confirm or deny. I'm positive I, he got injured in this game. I yeah, I believe he might have. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Anthony Barr, I I think he did. Don't quote me 100%, but I think he did. But if he did, um, that's a huge loss because Anthony Barr has done a lot of good for this Vikings team, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't force – I don't see uh, Minnesota making the playoffs this year. I feel like they – they got a lot to work on, and I just feel like they definitely lost a lot. But yeah, this was supposed to be a quick nugget, so we kind of got to move on, don't we? He tore his um right pectoral muscle. He's out for the season there. Lovely. All right, moving on to our next nugget here. Tom Brady gets his first win in a Tampa Bay uniform against Teddy Bridgewater. He throws an interception, but 23 through for 35, 217 yards. Tom Brady getting his groove set in right in Tampa Bay with a win over Carolina. With uh, Brett Favre in attendance. Yeah, yeah, I I don't get that. Brett Favre wearing a Tom Brady Tampa Bay shirt, eating a (laughs) bag of chips. There was a Tampa Bay player who quoted his uh, Fox Sports tweet on that video saying, so Brett Favre can come watch the game, but my family can't. I don't yeah. blame. I I don't blame him. But yeah, why? I would be I would be upset about that too. If um, yeah, if 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 Brett Favre could come to the game, but you know my family's not allowed, I would be pretty upset about that too. But uh, what was the question? <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't get why he was there. That's all. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to see how he, maybe he just likes watching Tom Brady. I don't know. I mean, does, I like but watching Tom Brady. I would Brett, that Favre, Brett Favre might be a Tom Brady fanboy there. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I mean, th- I mean, Tom didn't necessarily. He, I mean, I feel like they're still working the kinks out in Tampa Bay. He didn't necessarily light it up completely against Carolina. Um, but you know, good for him to get the win. I mean, for sure. I mean, they definitely needed that, you know, especially cause they didn't look necessarily the best against, uh, new Orleans, but you know, good for Tom, you know, good, good, good for, good for the goat. Absolutely. So that wraps up nuggets. Um, let's wrap things up here, Carlos, with a thing I like to do. What are you looking forward to? What are we looking forward to in week three? I will start off. Um, you're probably going to have the same answer as me, but the Monday night showdown between 2-0 Kansas City and 2-0 Baltimore, circle that one on your calendars, folks. That will be a game to look out for. Kansas City and Baltimore. Some other great matchups. You got Dallas and Seattle at 425. Green Bay and New Orleans at 820 on Sunday. A lot of great games on slate. But um, Kansas City and Baltimore, hands down, I am looking forward to that the most. 
Yeah, so obviously that I just feel like that game would be so much better if fans could be in that stadium and could like you know just the build up to that Monday night to the, you know the that game Monday night it would be electric in that stadium because they're playing at Baltimore, right? Uh yes, I believe so. Yeah, because last year they played in Kansas City. Yeah. So uh yeah, so I mean Mahomes uh versus uh Jackson, I mean. Oh man, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sitting at the edge edge of my seat that whole entire Monday night. Um, another thing that you know for you know our I I have like week three must watches. So obviously there's the Chiefs versus Ravens, Mahomes versus Jackson. You know that's obviously like the big thing. But another thing that you know I feel like we got to watch out for is uh the Texans. Will they go zero and three? Like I just feel like. They've looked really bad, you know, and it's incredible to see how much of an impact DeAndre Hopkins made to that team. Um, another uh, a game that's flying under the radar for me is the Rams and Bills. They're both two and zero, and they're playing each other at one o'clock. So that'll be a very very fun game to watch. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I I could agree with that. Um... Los Angeles has been playing decent, pr- pretty been, good. You know, they've been playing pretty good, in my opinion. I don't, I don't even think de- decent. I think they've been playing pretty good. I think they yeah. have a legitimate. I think they have a legitimate shot of coming out of the NFC and playing in the Super Bowl. That's such a tough division, though. So, yeah, you, you know, uh, I could see that, but I, I think it's too early to tell in that division since it's so darn tough. Yeah. And then my last thing is, can the Cowboys actually play a good game of football versus the Seahawks? Yeah, I don't think Dallas has a real shot. Dallas won America's game of the week with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. You know what it is. Unless they're covering Tampa Bay because of Tom Brady now. But who knows? That about wraps it up for week two breakdowns and stuff. Coming up next, Fantasy Football Files with our very own Jason Kamlowski. But before we get to that, Carlos, thanks for much so much for talking with us today on the podcast. Let's do it again soon, bud. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, um, well, yeah, we'll do this again sometime. Amen, brother. Fantasy Football Files is next on the Kirby on Sports podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Fantasy Football Files. I'm your host, Jason Kamlowski of FantasyPros.com. You can find my weekly handcuff article on fantasypros.com. It's usually posted every Monday or Tuesday. Um, let's just talk a few things this week, just starting out with uh, the quarterback position. And wanted to just talk about, I guess, the Buffalo offense uh, because Josh Allen has been uh, absolutely incredible through the first two weeks. 70% completion percentage, um, over 700 yards passing. Uh, the Bills are one of the most pass-heavy offenses right now in the NFL, which is a a big change from where they were at last year. Which is it's one of those things uh, when when we're playing fantasy, we we sometimes tend to look at what happened in you know a previous season uh, and expect that to happen in you know the one that we're preparing for, the one we're playing in. And the fact is, offenses change, and um, you know the NFL. Um, is constantly changing because these teams have to stay, um, you know, on top of, of trends and things like that. So um, Allen in the Buffalo offense is kind of an interesting case. And 
Um, I think it's one of those things where just when you're looking at draft capital, you know, Allen was not being taken um, probably anywhere near the top uh, seven or eight quarterbacks. Um, and then some of his peripheral weapons like uh, Stefan Diggs and, and John Brown, um, you know, were, were really being disrespected on draft day. And Diggs has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and even John Brown has been, um, you know, a real surprise because, uh, and I'll say this for myself, I mean, I, I believed coming into the year, you know, that there just weren't going to be enough targets to go around there. Um, but Diggs has racked up 23 targets already this year, and Brown's sitting at a healthy 19. Um, and obviously Brown with the two touchdowns is probably not sustainable. But, you know, when you look at the Bills' offense, um, right now we're, we're probably going to bank more on the passing game than we are on the running game, which I think, um, you know, is, is – is a big step away from where they were last year. So, um, you know, some guys to look at um, in that Bills offense. You know, I, I would assume John Brown's ownership in your league is probably getting up there. But, um, you know, there might be an outside chance, depending on who, you know, what league you're in, that he might be available. Um, it, it would be tough to go and buy these guys, you know, in the trade market right now because you'd be, you'd be buying high. Um, but if you invested in someone like Stefan Diggs or John Brown or, or Josh Allen, um, you know, bravo to you because you, you really you really got yourself um, a steal. Um, sticking with the passing games, uh, we had some blow-up spots last week. Obviously, Dak Prescott had a massive game um, for the Cowboys and what, what ended up being exactly what we thought it would be, which was a shootout between the two teams. I think there was a total of almost, uh, what, there were over 70 points scored in that game and kind of a wild fourth quarter, uh, you know, with the Cowboys – um, making that big comeback, you know, and Dak kind of disappointed a little bit, um, you know, from just a raw points perspective, you know, in week one, um, didn't have a bad week, but last week he kind of just went off, um, you know, 450 yards passing. Uh, and then he also added three touchdowns on the ground. So if you had Dak last week, uh, you were in really good shape. Uh, and I think the Dallas offense is another one, um, you know, they've done, such a good job of running the football over the past couple of seasons with Zeke, um, but they've got all those weapons in the passing game, uh, and they're and they're going to be in some shootouts. And um, this week, you know, Seattle comes to town, and and that's going to be a game that has a lot of offensive goodness there between those two teams because Seattle's uh, they're another team kind of like the Bills. They're they're letting Russell Wilson throw the ball a ton this year, uh, and and he's playing at MVP level right now. So, you know, I I think the situation. Uh, with with some of these quarterbacks, you know, it's when you look at just raw production, um, you know, some of the names that we thought were going to be there are there, you know, with Dak and, um, you know, uh, you know Russell Wilson was drafted as a top five quarterback because of his rushing equity. Um, but when we think about, you know, and this is why we say don't draft quarterbacks early, um, Teddy Bridgewater right now is a top five passer in the NFL. Um, Cam Newton, who everybody kind of left for dead, a top 10 passer right now. Um, he looked ridiculous on Saturday or Sunday night against Seattle. Um, and, and, you know, I was after the first week saying, you know, sell Cam, sell Cam, sell Cam. Um, he looked tremendous on Sunday night. Um, I still worry a little bit about the weapons in New England, but I mean, he looked absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, and I think, you know, the quarterback position, it, it just it goes back to, you know, don't panic, um, you know, on draft day. And even now, I mean, the quarterback position is so deep. So, you know, if you kind of, if you, depending on, you know, where you're at with quarterbacks, um, 
you know, you can go all the way down to someone like Gardner Minshew or Joe Burrow, um, and it looks like the Bengals are going to be in a lot of shootouts. Burrow might be a nice sneaky uh, spot, uh, spot start guy, uh, depending on you know what your roster looks like. So you know, the quarterback position, ultra deep as always. Uh, a lot of a lot of good starting options. Um, you know, for this week. Um, you know, another week where I really like Josh Allen. You know, that should be that should be a game with plenty of points between him and the Rams. I like Jared Goff. Obviously, I like Dak and Russell Wilson um, again this week. Uh, but I think probably my start of the week at quarterback would be Ben Roethlisberger going up against a, a Houston team that's just absolutely horrendous. Um, they looked pretty lifeless on Sunday against the Ravens, um, and that and that defense I think is going to have a hard time uh, slowing them down. It looks like Ben's starting to round into form a little bit after after being out all of last season. So um, uh, if, if Ben Roethlisberger is a guy that's either on your waiver wire um, or someone you, know, you can go and pick up uh, and you need a spot starter for this week, uh, I would definitely um, recommend him. He would be my, my number one um, spot start of the week. Uh, moving to running backs this week. Um, and again, you know, you'll see some familiar faces at the top of the list, you know, just in terms of, of raw production. You know, Aaron Jones had a massive blow-up game last week. I uh, played Aaron Jones on DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, so obviously, you know, was able to, to win a good bit of money with him. Um, you know, Derrick Henry uh, is, is getting volume. I think he was probably one of the disappointments of week two. Uh, but it was good to see him, you know, get another 25 carries. Um, uh, but he's, you know, he's just a, he's just a grinder. Um, a little bit disappointing not to see him get more work in the passing game last week, even though they, they scored a bunch of points. But Tannehill had a really nice week uh, with four touchdowns. So it um, looks like they opened it up a little bit. You know, Zeke had a big game last week. Nick Chubb had a massive game. And I think it's worth talking about the Cleveland running back situation in general because they've got two guys right now that are that are starter worthy. And, and Kareem Hunt, and I've said this uh, pretty much all year, Kareem Hunt is a top five NFL running back if he has a backfield to himself. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Kareem Hunt um, from a player perspective. I mean, we'll take out the personal stuff. But, you know, and I've said this before, I think Kareem Hunt is as talented as any running back in the NFL. Um, but when Nick Chubb is running like he ran last Thursday against the Browns, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, Chubb himself being a top five option. So um, it was good to see a couple bounce back games this week too. Austin Eckler bounced back a little bit, even though Josh Kelly is definitely going to be a problem. In that Chargers backfield, Justin Herbert kind of got a surprise start, uh, and they played much better than I think they that anybody anticipated them to play against the the Chiefs. Took that game into overtime, but um, you know the Chargers have been one of the most run heavy teams in, in the NFL the first two weeks, um, and and um, Josh Kelly is is getting you know twenty five touches a game. So um, you know the the Chargers backfield, though I think again another backfield that has. Um, two serviceable running backs that, that you can start each week. But really, and, and this is probably the biggest thing we need to talk about with the running backs this week, is the injuries to Saquon Barkley, um, Christian McCaffrey, um, Raheem Mostert, uh, and even Cam Akers because Cam got three um, carries on the Rams for his drive last week before going out with that rib injury. But, you know, if you're a Saquon owner, I mean, this is just a brutal injury. Um, they signed Devontae Freeman this week. You know, I I don't know what they expect to get out of Devontae Freeman. He was he was one of the worst um, running backs in the NFL statistically last year. Um, you know, and playing behind a bad offensive line, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what to expect from Devontae Freeman. I I I have him in a couple of leagues. I managed to get him off the waiver wire because opportunity is everything for running backs. Um, 
you know, and he can certainly bridge that gap, uh, you know, catch the ball in the backfield and do some things. And it's really one of those things with Freeman where we're going to have to just kind of wait and see um, what his workload is going to be like and, and, and how many, you know, how many carries and how many touches he's going to get. Um, and then from the McCaffrey side of things, Mike Davis was a guy that I prioritized the pickups this week. Uh, I think Davis could really fill a nice PPR role for that team. He, uh, he catches the ball well out of the backfield, um, kind of a bigger guy, so I think he can kind of handle some of the workload. Uh, and he should kind of slot right into a 15 to 20 touch um, role in that offense um, and definitely chip in work in the passing game. And the Panthers have one of the most narrow distribution of touches in the NFL. Uh, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and McCaffrey make up about 90% of their touches. So Davis is not going to have a whole lot of competition in the backfield. The wild card for the Panthers right now is going to be Curtis Samuel, though, uh, because he's got the running equity and, and he's shown the ability to run with the football. And it sounds like listening to Matt Rule um, the other day, it sounds like Curtis Samuel could get some running back touches. So um, if, you've, if you've got kind of an open roster spot or, or you're thinking about dropping someone, you know, if you've got Sterling Shepard, if you've got Jalen Rager, um, and you kind of need like a sneaky wide receiver pickup, um, I picked up Samuel in a couple leagues, dropped Jalen Rager for him in a couple leagues, you know, to, to kind of see, you know, if he gets seven to eight carries and then catches, you know, three to four balls, um, I mean, that easily puts him in, in wide receiver three territory. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what the Panthers do there. Uh, I'd like to definitely see you know Samuels get more involved. Um, but, but I do think Mike Davis, from a running back perspective, um, you know, will be solid this week and, and probably for the next month moving forward. And right now, uh, a lot of teams are kind of in a position where, you know, you pick up a running back uh, because you need to stay in the hunt right now. And, and, I, and I said this in my handcuff article uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any problem with going after someone like Davis Hart early in the season uh, to put yourself in a position to be, you know, in the playoff hunt by week seven or eight. Because, you know, if you're 0-2 right now, the season get away from you quickly. So it's important to try to win this week and get to at least 1-2. and two. Um, A couple of the running backs looked good last week. David Montgomery, uh, I'm not sure that's sustainable, but he did have three catches, 45 yards out of the backfield. Um, went over 130 total yards on the week. Uh, they play the, the Falcons this week, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how they work him in if that game turns into a shootout. Um, you know, they signed Tariq Cohen to a contract, and then, you know, I think he saw six touches. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous what the Bears are doing um, with with their salary cap situation. But Montgomery looked good last week. Uh, Melvin Gordon's looked surprisingly great through two weeks. Uh, ran, you know, ran up against a couple tough matchups with the Titans and the Steelers, but uh, and watching that Steeler game the other day, I thought Melvin Gordon looked good. Um, he was running hard. He hit he hit the holes hard. Um, and, and honestly, uh, he got to the second level of defense and didn't look terrible either. So, um, you know, I'll take the L on Melvin Gordon. You know, he's looked really good so far. Um, James Conner looked better last week, although 59 of his yards came on the last carry that he had at the game um, to get him over 100 yards on the on the week. But it looks like Connor's probably going to own that backfield for right now. Benny Snell had another ugly fumble um, when the Steelers were kind of trying to salt the game away and, and let the let the um, Broncos back in it. So I would expect Connor to get more work this week, and for Benny Snell to lose work. Um, and then Leonard Fournette down there in Tampa looks like he's probably going to be the lead guy down there. He had a monster game um, against. Uh, the Panthers, of course, the Panthers' defense is just bad, but uh, Fournette scored a couple touchdowns. So, you know, those of you that, that were patient with Fournette, it looks like it might pay off um, this year. Uh, at the wide receiver position, 
again, we've kind of talked about Diggs a little bit, but Calvin Ridley's kind of kind of been a nice, um, you know, surprise this year. The touchdowns that he's scoring, you know, he's not going to continue to score two touchdowns a week, but right now he's on a he's on a bit of a heater. Um, leads the Atlanta offense with twenty two targets. Um, you know, he's been absolutely ridiculous this year so far. Um, and and I think the Atlanta offense, and we kind of talked about this. I mean, they're they're going to have to throw um, because that defense is is bad. Um, and and honestly, I you know Todd Gurley. I, I watched that game last week. I just I, I just don't think Todd Gurley is is going to do what they want him to do late in games to be able to salt the game away. So I think they're going to have to pass the ball a ton. Um, Sunday night, talking about you know we talked about Russell Wilson a little bit. DK Metcalf abused Stephon Gilmore. Uh, on a long touchdown play, um, DK Metcalf's 22 years old, and and he's doing this right now, which is just ridiculous. Um, and Metcalf has been, uh, you know, a guy in two years in the league so far that again I was wrong on. I I didn't think he would make the transition well. I I, I didn't think that he would be able to get in and out of his breaks. Um, but Metcalf has been phenomenal, huge big play guy. Um, he's averaging over 23 yards of reception. And as long as Russell Wilson continues to throw the football the way he is, um, you know Metcalf is going to be a weekly wide receiver too. Um, I think a couple things we need to look at though with the wide receiver position is you know can guys like Russell Gage sustain what they've been doing? Um, can guys like um, you know can CD Lamb? Um, it looks like he's maybe overtaking Michael Gallup for the number two spot in that Dallas offense. You know can CD Lamb keep this up? I think Gallup might be a nice buy low right now. Um, he's still getting a ton of air yards, and I think it's just a matter of time before we get a ceiling game from him. Um, another guy I think we get a ceiling game from soon is Deshaun Jackson, who's been uh, somewhat disappointing through the first two weeks. Uh, I, I think I thought week one that he would that he would kind of blow up, but um, you know he he's had 16 targets, and I think as the offensive line gets healthy in Philadelphia. Um, you know they'll be able to get the ball downfield to, to Deshaun Jackson a little bit more, um, I, and you know that defense of Philadelphia just just a sieve. I mean they they just give up points in bunches. So another team that could be looking at a lot of shootouts. So I think Deshaun Jackson could be in, in store for a ceiling game soon. Um, and uh, you know Jerry Judy in Denver is is going to have a larger role now with Cortland Sutton out for the year. Uh, with the ACL tear, so if Judy is out there on your waiver wire, he is, uh, you know, just well at this point would probably be a free agent. Go pick him up. Um, Fifteen targets so far in two games, eight receptions for 118 yards. Um, I think we could really see Jerry Judy start to tick up a little bit. Um, Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, he has out targeted um, Juju Smith-Schuster, um, 23 to 14, I believe. Um, he's got 14 catches on the season um he does have a little bit of an issue with drops but ben just keeps going back to him so if you were able to get deontay johnson in, you know the ninth tenth eleventh round um it looks like he's going to return nice value for you this year as well um just looking at some games this week um and some teams that i would try to target you know obviously the falcons have a high total again the patriots have a high total again Nikhil harry looking like he might be um a nice uh you know Week two pickup, he's got a ton of targets from Cam, um, and they and they play a Raiders team that, um, you know, again they've they've given up a ton of passing yards. So I think Nikhil Harry could have a nice game this week. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has been incredible for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray looking like he's putting together um, 
a season kind of like what Lamar Jackson put together last year. Um, he's been tremendous through two weeks. Uh, we should have a shootout Sunday night between the Packers and the Saints, although I think Drew Brees is dust. Um, without Michael Thomas, he just doesn't look the same. Um, the Saints are projected to score 28 points Sunday night. I, I think that's going to be hard for them to get to. Um, and I think the Packers' defense is a little bit better than people think it is. I know that game's in New Orleans, but I, I would be on the Packers' side of that game. Um, the Chargers' high team total of 25, but that's because they're playing the Panthers, and the Panthers can't stop anybody. Um, but I, I would say the Chargers are going to run the ball a ton on Sunday. Um, but that Seahawks-Cowboys game is one we probably want to target if we're playing DFS. Um, the Seahawks have a ridiculous 30-point team total, um, and the Cowboys have a 25-point team total. And then how can we forget Monday night, the Chiefs and the Ravens? Um, Ravens are actually favored by 3.5 in that game. Um, if I was a betting man, I would definitely take the Chiefs. So um, that's Fantasy Football Files for this week. Um, next week we will get into talking probably a little bit more of a DFS edge um, with this, I like to get a couple of weeks of, you know, information before we start going into the DFS side of things. But next week, we'll try to hit this with more of a kind of a DFS angle um, and how we should approach FanDuel and DraftKings. But uh, again, this is Jason Kimlowski. You can find me at Jason Kimlowski on Twitter. You can find my weekly handcuff article on fantasypros.com. Uh, I want to thank Josh for having me on. Guys, good luck this week. Get a win. Get to 3-0. and And we'll see you next Thursday. All right. Once again, thank you so much to Jason Kamlowski for Fantasy Football Files. Let's give you a rundown of who's playing week three in the National Football League, starting off with Miami and Jacksonville on the Thursday night slate. On Sunday, we have a lot of interesting matchups for you. The Rams and the Bills, I, I'm going to be looking out for that one. The Bears and the Falcons. The Titans in the Minnesota Vikings, the Washington football team in the Cleveland Browns, the Las Vegas Raiders 2-0 facing off against the New England Patriots 1-1, the 49ers back at MetLife to face the New York Giants, the Cincinnati Bengals facing the Philadelphia Eagles, the Houston Texans facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Jets facing the Colts. The Panthers facing the Chargers, Detroit playing Arizona, Tampa Bay playing Denver, America's Game of the Week, Dallas versus Seattle on Fox, you know, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, you know how that goes. Then Sunday Night Football, the Green Bay Packers and the New Orleans Saints at 820, and then the game everybody is most looking forward to. Kansas City and Baltimore, both at 2-0 apiece on Monday night. It's going to be a fun one. It really is. I cannot wait. I am looking forward to it. Most certainly, I think this could be one of the most talked about games this week. And I'm really looking forward to it. I know you all are as well. Um, But until then, that wraps up. Week two of the NFL, Uh, before we let you go, we have to give you a quick update on final season. So the Tampa Bay Islanders, the Tampa Bay Lightning knocked off the New York Islanders in the NHL, and they ended up winning uh, to make it to the Stanley Cup. Barry Trotz on that historic 
run. They beat the Capitals, as you know, and he made a deep run. Unfortunately, Barry Trotz couldn't get back to his um, second Stanley Cup final. The Las Vegas Golden Knights fall to the Dallas Stars. And as of right now, this game is looking pretty good. Tampa Bay leads the series 2-1 to one and uh, over Dallas. Um, and it's an evenly set Stanley Cup final. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the result of that. But final season in the NHL has started. And for the NBA, we're still awaiting who the finals will be against. But my goodness, I need to talk about the Miami Heat. Out of nowhere, Miami is making a name for themselves. They're up 3-1 against the Boston Celtics. Who would have thought that Miami would be 3-1 against the Boston Celtics in this NBA playoffs? I certainly did not. And on the other end, you have the Los Angeles Lakers with a 2-1 lead over the Denver Nuggets. So... A lot to look forward to there in the NBA. Who will come out and who will be in the finals? The Heat have a commanding 3-1 lead. It would be incredible if the number 5 seed Heat take go all the way to the NBA finals. That would be a storybook. And uh, I don't know. This one's too close to call. I've watched highlights, but um, Los Angeles... If they could make it to the finals after what happened, how how this year has unfolded with the death of Kobe Bryant, that would be incredible. So, a lot to look forward to on both the NHL and the NBA side of things. And that will wrap things up for the Kirby on Sports podcast. As always, want to give a big thanks to PM Plus Reserves and Regroup Building Services. Thanks so much to Productions by Q, MPT Now Productions, and Dave Johnson. You can find the Kirby on Sports podcast on all streaming platforms, anchor.fm slash the Kirby on Sports podcast. Until next time, folks, remember to always create greatness, and we will see you on the next episode of the Kirby on Sports podcast. Peace out.